0: When I retired with lots of newfound available time, I enjoyed many travel opportunities. This podcast may encourage you to visit, revisit, or experience virtual armchair travel, learning about exciting new venues. Travel is an excellent vehicle for lifelong learning. Welcome to the What Travel Writers Say podcast. I'm Mike Keenan, your host, and today we take a wonderful tour with Stefania Pistone of Eyes of Rome, who claim that their private tour guides are the best way to see Rome's Vatican City treasure. After an informative tour of Rome's Colosseum with Stefania, I knew that I would enjoy her private tour of the Vatican Museum, Sistine Chapel, and St. Peter's Basilica, a Roman trifecta. Why a private tour? First, I have a mobility handicap and require two canes to navigate. With eyes of Rome, I appreciated an independent and private tour guide to not slow down a group. Besides setting the pace... I could concentrate on where I wanted to go, linger, and photograph. Finally, Stefania was friendly, an expert on archaeology and art history, a native of Rome who loved to share her knowledge. We start in early morning and she takes me immediately to a secluded area of the Vatican Museum that we enjoy exclusively for well over an hour while tourists slowly filter in. A bonus is that we venture into several areas cordoned off to the public. The Vatican Museum's impressive collection rivals that of Florence and the Uffizi, with its myriad statuary, impressive paintings, including rooms reserved for Raphael, and its historic tapestries. Even golden filigreed hallway ceilings constituted incredible works of art. In the Pine Cone Courtyard, a huge bronze statue of the Pigna depicts a giant pine cone, and the sphere within a sphere is part of sculptor Arnaldo Pomodoro's series of bronze sculptures in locations all over the world. He depicts a huge fractured orb, and inside the cracked orb, I see another one, symbolizing the fragility and complexity of the world. Inside the Sistine Chapel, Stefania sits beside me for 20 minutes and describes Michelangelo's creations, pointing out that for the ceiling his initial human figures were too small, so he quickly learned to oversize them. I stare in wonder at his fresco, Creation of Adam. God, an elderly white-bearded man wrapped in a swirling cloak, Adam nude as God's right arm stretches to impart the spark of life. Stefania explains that in 1508, 33-year-old Michelangelo was at work on Pope Julius II's marble tomb and didn't want to be interrupted to paint, considering himself a sculptor first with no experience with frescoes. Unlike his supine depiction in the 1965 film The Agony and the Ecstasy, Michelangelo designed wooden scaffolds that allowed him to stand while working. Stefania shows me older photos as experts restored artwork from 1980 to 1999, dissolving layers of grime, soot, and deposits, brightening the colors of the centuries-old paintings, including undoing the work of Pope Pius IV, who ordered fig leaves and loincloths on Michelangelo's nudes during the 1560s. Built in the 1470s under Pope Sixtus IV, the Sistine Chapel serves a crucial religious functions since 1492, hosting numerous papal conclaves during which cardinals gathered to vote on a new pope. Stefania confides that Michelangelo wrote over 300 sonnets and madrigals. He was gay and he died rich with a chest of money and jewels found underneath his bed. Next, we enter St. Peter's Basilica, Catholicism's most secret shrine a marble-layered basilica that draws pilgrims and tourists worldwide. The outer facade is crowned with statues of Christ, John the Baptist, and the Apostles, except for St. Peter. On either side, huge clocks are supported by angels. Below the clock on the left, I observe church bells. Five entrances lead to the lobby. There is an equestrian statue of Charles the Great on the left and another equestrian statue of Emperor Constantine created by Bernini. Five doors lead to the nave. The central bronze door created in the 15th century by Florentine sculptor and architect Filarete. The door on the right, the Porta Santa, the Holy Door, open once every 25 years. Begun by Pope Julius II in 1506, St. Peter's was completed in 1615 under Paul V, designed as a three-aisled Latin cross with a dome at the crossing, directly above the high altar, which covers the shrine of St. Peter the Apostle. Inside the nave, I'm impressed with the enormous size a surface area of 15,160 square meters to accommodate 60,000 visitors, its opulence reflecting the wealth of the church in the 16th and 17th centuries, decorated with large monuments, many by Bernini. I am intrigued by his huge, 26 meter high bronze baldachin with spiraling columns over the papal altar, the Baroque masterpiece crafted from bronze taken from the ceiling and pediment of the Parthenon in Greece. In front of the papal altar is a burial crypt that marks St. Peter's grave, encircled by a balustrade with 95 bronze oil lamps, below the majestic dome with impressively colorful vaulting and 16 ribs supported by four massive pillars. Huge niches in the pillars hold five-meter-tall statues of Saints Andrew, Veronica, Helena, and Longinus, the latter created by Bernini; the others by his students and assistants. The apse is decorated with Baroque work and the chair of Saint Peter in a bronze throne with reliefs supported by the four church fathers, Athanasius and Johannes, the Eastern Church, Ambrose and Augustine, the Western Church. Pope Urban the Eighth's tomb to the right of the throne was created by Bernini with many more tombs and sepulchral monuments, most notably the monument to Alexander the Seventh, another Bernini depicting the Pope praying in front of a skeleton holding an hourglass. In the first chapel, as I enter, a crowd forms around Michelangelo's Pietà a marble sculpture of a young-looking Mary holding her dead son, created in 1499 to 1500, when Michelangelo was only 25, the only work that bears his signature, etched on the ribbon that runs across Mary's chest. Damaged in 1972 when a visitor smashed it with a hammer, it's now protected by a bulletproof glass screen. Most interior paintings are mosaic replicas of the originals because humidity was ruining the oil paintings. The floor exhibits a colorful marble pattern, and I search out the red porphyry disc near the central door in the old church located in front of the main altar. Emperors, most notably Charles the Great, in 800 AD, were crowned while standing on the disc. There are also Brown's markings that compare the size of the church with that of smaller others, including London's St. Paul's and Cologne's Cathedral. In front of the left transept is the entrance to the Museo Storico Artistico, a paid entrance, the treasury, displaying historic crucifixes, including the 6th century Crook's Vatanica, the sacred groat and necropolis below the nave, is where we find tombs of many popes. Outside, St. Peter's Square is massive to accommodate hundreds of thousands for the pope's blessings. At its center, an ancient Egyptian obelisk over 4,000 years old, brought to Rome from Alexandria by Emperor Caligula in 37 A.D. Two colonnades designed by Bernini encompass the square to symbolize the embrace of the church. The colonnades are comprised of four rows of columns, each column 1.5 meters in diameter and 20 meters high. Above are 140 statues of various saints consisting of former popes, martyrs, evangelists, and other Christian figures created by Bernini and his students over a span of some 40 years. Even as we walk miles away from St. Peter's west of the Tiber River near the Janicum Hill in Hadrian's Mausoleum, the central dome dominates Rome's skyline. Given long queues of tourists, skip-the-line tours are the best way to proceed in Rome, and Eyes of Rome is my recommended choice for a private tour. To read my travel articles, go to my website at whattravelwriterssay.com, And for travel pictures, go to my Pinterest boards at pinterest.com backslash Mustang6648 backslash. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me at mjk6648 at gmail.com. We conclude each podcast with an appropriate travel quote. Today it's from St. Augustine who said, The world is a book and those who do not travel read only one page. Thanks for listening. Happy travels. And tune in again next week for another What Travel Writers Say podcast.